Welcome to Never a Truer Word, where we look at the words that people choose to use to see if they're telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And we're back in the wild world of Alec Murdoch and his murder trial today. Or maybe it's the wild world of Becky Hill. Becky was the clerk of court during Alex Murdoch's murder trial. And uh, she's now facing some serious allegations herself. She's under, uh, she's got investigations going on. Did she tamper with the jury in the Alex murder trial? Was she doing something to try and get them to go towards a guilty verdict? That's what we're going to look at here. But there's other investigations going on to her. And her credibility has taken a bit of a battering um, including plagiarising the book or parts of the book that she wrote. It's not been a great 12 months for Becky Hill. So we're going to look at the jury tampering allegations here and look at Becky talking about her relationships, her knowledge of the jury on in that Alex murder trial. Uh, if you're new to this, what we do is we look forensically at the words that people use when they talk about things. Some might say pedantically, same thing, uh, to see if we can get what's really going on. What are they really saying? Why are they saying things the way they are. As always, this is not just about slamming on Becky Hill or just saying, hey, Becky is really innocent of this. She's just a sweet woman. It's about learning as well. How can you use what you see in this to um, improve your own life, to know more about what people are saying to you? So what I want you to watch out for as we go through here is, does Becky answer the questions she is asked? I find this one of the greatest tips for knowing whether someone is being honest and truthful to you, with you or whether they're lying or deceiving you. Do they answer the question that, that is asked? Do they precisely answer the question that is asked? I want you to look at the detail in Becky's answers as well. I spotted something really interesting in the amount of detail she uses when she's talking about the jury. And this one is just perfect for this. Watch out for the word just. We're going to see a few good uses of the word just. And, well, we'll point it out as we go. A video like this or a podcast like this takes, I mean, this has been a week in the making. You get it for free. So if you do want to show some support, the subscribe button would be fantastic. It also means that you will get more like this as soon as it happens or the follow button. Uh, the like button as well is such a simple thing to press, but it's so powerful in getting this out to more people. Sharing as well, if you know people who would be interested in this, then please feel free to share it and tell the world about it if you know people that are interested. And as always, your comments, your observations, your opinions, your questions all uh, really worthwhile hearing as well. And if we get enough, we may do a follow-up at some point into Becky Hill, looking at some of the things that you have raised. Okay, so let's go and look at what Becky Hill has been saying now. And we're going to start with a transcript from a hearing or, or a session that took place um, at the Alec murder trial with Becky and some of the lawyers involved about a Facebook post. So the first thing we're going to look at, the setup, the court. I presume this is the judge says, okay, well, let's see what Becky is talking about. I want to revisit the Facebook post that you mentioned yesterday. Miss Hill, that's Becky, says, uh-huh, right. The court says, that's Becky Hill, the clerk of court. Can you tell us about that Facebook post? And Becky's reply is, yes, I think it was Friday evening. Just for a brief moment, I perused Facebook, got on Walterborough word of mouth and saw where someone had said that, well, it was the ex-husband of a juror. And he said that he noticed that his ex-wife was saying that she was going on the jury and saying stuff about how her verdict was going to be. And that he was the ex-husband, but she was known for talking way too much. And then I just kept on scrolling because that was enough for me. I've gotten enough. 
We've got the word just right there. I think it was Friday evening, just for a brief moment, I perused Facebook. And what is going on here is um, Becky's using just to minimise how her actions on Facebook there. It was just for a brief moment. She doesn't want um, uh, us to think that, or the judge to think that she was researching Facebook or looking for something specifically on Facebook. No, it was just for a brief moment. She's really turning it down. I perused Facebook. No, I wasn't studying Facebook. I wasn't looking for something on Facebook. I was perusing Facebook. Same there with I just kept scrolling. Um, you know, it's, it's as if she was just scrolling through Facebook and saw this thing. And why is she talking about that? Why is she minimizing that? Well, one of the reasons could be that maybe this she didn't come across this Facebook post by accident. Maybe she was specifically looking for this Facebook post. That would be why this slightly potentially deceptive language could be coming in there. Did she have a tip that there's a Facebook post she should look at? Or was she doing her own research? Hmm, I'm going to see what friends of the jury are saying about the trial. See if any of the jury are talking. Both things that could lead to her wanting us to think that she stumbled across this by accident. And that's why she's using these words to downplay how serious her Facebook time was. Just for a brief moment, I perused Facebook and I, I just kept on scrolling. Uh, at the end of that, Becky says, that was enough for me. I've gotten enough. Now, we're going to find out later it wasn't enough. She didn't screenshot the post. She didn't know the name of the person that made the post. But for some reason, she says, that was enough for me. I'd gotten enough. So she, whatever happened there, she, in her words, got what she wanted from it, which wasn't a screenshot. It wasn't uh, the name of the person. She didn't make any notes. It wasn't a link. She didn't save a link to the, the post or, or the comment or anything like that. But she saw, whatever it was she saw, she thinks that was enough. Look how she refers to the person who made the post. First of all, she says, saw where someone had said that. So she called the person someone, and then she narrows it down and says it was the ex-husband of a juror. So she at first says someone did this, and then narrows it down to say the ex-husband of a juror. Interesting, <clears throat> did she just misspeak when she said someone and wanted to be more specific? Or was it really just, well, there's a lot of things about this Facebook post. It, what The one she's found wasn't made by the ex-husband of the juror. Um, so is that why she said someone, first of all? Don't know, but some interesting things here about how she talks about this Facebook post, and there's lots more to come. The court says, and how did you determine who he was talking about? Miss Hill says, when I heard there was an email on Monday, I figured the two went together, if it was true. The court says, well, she's confirmed she has an ex-husband who she has three restraining orders out against, so dot, dot, dot. All I've noticed in this is that Becky says, when I heard there was an email on Monday, I figured the two went together, if it was true. Now, I'm going to give Becky Hill hell about this Facebook post that she allegedly found, but in fairness there, she is open to the fact that anything could be happening here. She doesn't, she's very honest there saying if it was true. So she seems to be open-minded about this Facebook post. So the court mentions the, the ex-husband and Becky continues, right, so then we looked on Monday after you told me to try to go back and look for it and we couldn't find it. But then we found out his name and we found the post and printed it out where he said that he had put something up, but the, that he had deleted it at the time that he had put stuff out there that wasn't nice. So I know there she says we found out his name. So um, she didn't even know the name of this person that posted that on, on Friday. Now, think. 
you're the clerk of the court, you stumble across the Facebook post that says, um, I'm an ex-husband of the juror, a juror, and um, this person is talking about what the verdict's going to be. And she didn't note the name of the person so she could find out who the juror was. It was after this that we found out his name, after um, the, the judge had raised it or had been raised in court. After that, we found out his name. And then she says, we found the post. But actually, it's not the post. It's not, she did not find a post which says that um, this juror was talking about the verdict and which way they were leaning and, and so on. No, no, no. But she says, we found the post and printed it out. So she really does, in her words there, say that that post, the one that's the apology for putting something up and deleting an original post, um, yeah, she's saying that is the post. So I wonder, I do wonder if that is the post that she actually saw and she never saw the alleged original post um, where the ex-husband allegedly, and he says he doesn't, put up a post saying um, that my ex-wife has been talking about the verdict. I wonder, because she uses found the post and printed it out, I wonder if um, actually what Becky saw was the apology post that had been deleted um, and that is the post. And then this conversation just finishes with uh, the court saying he said he got drunk afterwards. Mr. Meadows says something about the devil. Mr. Harputlian, didn't he say Satan was in it? Miss Hill says Satan was in it, yes. In all of the details, yes. Um, the court says all right. And Miss Hill says made me do it, which I presume is Satan made me do it. Can, the judge continues, okay, I just wanted to have that on the record. You're reading a Facebook post by the ex-husband who said it. Of course, you haven't talked with him, so you don't know where he got his information from. Miss Hill says, I don't. I can find it, though. Mr. Fernandez says, we do know his name for what it's worth. The court said, do you think he'll be sober? And Miss Hill says, I don't know. Probably not, if I had to guess. So Becky Hill is asked, you haven't talked with him, so you don't know where he got his information from. And she says, I don't. I can find it, though. Well, you couldn't find it. Are you going to do an investigation? I'm interested why she can find where he got his information from. She couldn't find the original post that she claims to see. I don't think she did see that original post from that conversation. I think I think she may have been researching the jurors just from what is said there. I think she may have seen a post that was apologising and deleted something. I don't think there was ever this original post from Becky. I now have Becky talking about this um, in a TV show. Let's listen to what she has to say. Uh, Miss Becky, I was just wondering if you could elaborate on um, the juror that was dismissed in the middle of the trial. Well, let's see. The one that was dismissed toward the end? Yes, ma'am. Would this be the one that needed her dozen eggs to take with her? Yes, ma'am. Okay, okay. Um, well, a little bit about her is she had posted um, something on Facebook um, and maybe not just her, but actually her ex-husband of more than 10 years and that she had not heard from in more than 10 years. And he had posted something on Facebook and I just happened to notice it on a Friday uh, night when I was in bed just perusing Facebook for just a minute. And when I went back to court on Monday, the judge was talking to the lawyers. They had brought something to the judge's attention. And I happened to be in the chambers with them. And I remembered seeing what I saw. And, and I told Judge Newman about it. 
So I had one of my staff go back and find it. We had a little trouble finding it, but she's such a great internet sleuth that she found a post that had said what he, he had said he was sorry for posting something before the weekend and that um, kind of like the devil made him do it sort of, so to speak. And so we found that, we printed it out, took it to the judge and he talked to the attorneys about it. They did call in the parties involved and maybe the people that were talked to. So they got down to the bottom of it and it just came to the point that both sides just couldn't take any chances on anything she might would have had to say to anybody else that, that would have gotten out there. So she was dismissed. But before she was let go, the judge asked her what she needed to get from the jury room and she had a dozen eggs that she needed to take with her. <laughs> Spot some similarities there. The caller asks, Miss Becky, I was just wondering if you could elaborate on the juror that was dismissed in the middle of the trial. The question is, could you elaborate on the juror that was dismissed in the middle of the trial? Becky then talks about the, the eggs just to define exactly which um, juror that the caller is talking about. And Becky says, well, a little bit about her is she had posted uh, something on Facebook um, and maybe not just her, but actually her ex-husband of more than 10 years and that she had not heard from in more than 10 years. And he had posted something on Facebook and I just happened to notice it on a Friday uh, night when I was in bed, just perusing Facebook for just a minute. Becky starts off by saying a little bit about her. She's been asked to elaborate and what Becky's actually saying is I'm not going to tell you everything. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Some common things with the conversation that she had with the judge in court Look, who posted this thing on Facebook? The Becky says she had posted on something on Facebook. That's the juror. She had posted uh, something on Facebook. Then says not just her, but actually her ex-husband. So she doesn't correct it properly there. You know, she if she misspoke and said she posted something on Facebook, actually, no, she didn't. Her ex-husband posted something on Facebook. But no, she says she had posted something on Facebook. Not just her, but actually her ex-husband. So interesting there. And then finally, and he had posted something on Facebook, which is the ex-husband. So she attributes this Facebook post to three different people in the space of, what, 20, 30 words? Another thing that's familiar, so that we've got the, she's not quite sure who posted this on Facebook. And again, she's wanting to say how casual finding this Facebook post is. I just happened to notice it on a Friday at night when I was in bed just perusing Facebook for just a minute. Like she wants to make this seem so, so casual. And I think she tries so hard to make this casual. It was anything but casual. Whether she'd had a tip off from someone that this Facebook post was around or whether she was doing some research that she probably shouldn't have been doing. Um, I don't know. But that's what I think. She's overly trying to make this seem casual. Becky carried on with the answer and said, and when I went back to court on Monday, the judge was talking to the lawyers. They had brought something to the judge's attention and I happened to be in the chambers with them and I remembered seeing what I saw and I told Judge Newman about it. More of this casualness. I happened to be in chambers. Again, why is she trying to make this all seem so casual? Was she actually hanging around or hoping to get a bit of the action? I don't like her way of talking about this Facebook story at all. There's too much in it that is open to double meaning and deception. <clears throat> Becky says, I remembered seeing what I saw. A very distant way of talking about something. Not, I remembered what I saw. It's, I remembered seeing 
what I saw. It's just much more passive and distant way of talking about a memory. And also, the, the, the lawyers had brought something to the judge's attention. So it wasn't this Facebook post, it was something had been brought to the judge's attention. Becky continues, so I had one of my staff go back and find it. We had a little bit of trouble finding it, but she's such a great internet sleuth that she found a post that he said what he, he had said he was sorry for posting something before the weekend and that kind of like the devil made him do it sort of, so to speak. So <clears throat> no detail there about the, what uh, he was sorry for posting, you know, not sorry for posting stuff about my ex-wife or sorry for saying my wife was talking about the verdict or, or anything like that. Just sorry for posting something. Once again, we had a little trouble finding it. You didn't find it. You did not find the post you alleged you saw, Becky. You didn't, unless the post you saw was this apology post, and then you would have found it. Becky continues, and so we found out. We printed it out to, to the judge, and he talked to the attorneys about it. They did call in the parties involved and maybe the people that were talked to. So they got down to the bottom of it and just came to the point that both sides just couldn't take any chances on anything she might would have had to say to anybody else that would have gotten out there. So she was dismissed. Always look for the word just. This is my tip. If you want to see deceptions happening, if you don't really trust something, find the word just. And then someone saying just doesn't mean they're lying. It doesn't mean they're deceiving. But if you see the word just, analyze what comes after it, because very often there's something really important that comes after it. And here it is, just couldn't take any chances on anything she might, would have had to say to anybody else that that would have gotten out there. So she was dismissed. Now, I'm not an expert in this case, but if you could let me know in the comments or via social media, that is not why the lady, egg lady juror was dismissed, is it? I believe she was dismissed because of a conversation that she'd had with, um, was it tenants of hers? I think it was tenants of hers, um, where she was talking about the case there and they had to come in and they were spoken to by law enforcement and um, uh, maybe the judge and she was kicked out because of that. I think the judge actually said on record it wasn't because of the Facebook post, but in this answer, Becky is quite proud that it was this Facebook post that she had found. Really interesting. What's really interesting about using Becky's words these ways is that this, all this and the interviews that we're going to look at all come from um, before she faced any of the allegations. So she's talking free and easy. She's under no suspicion um, of anything. She's under no dark clouds or any allegations. So she's talking freely and easily. Here, she's quite happy to take credit for something that didn't happen. And it certainly didn't happen um, the way that she says. Let's have another look now. This is for promoting her book um, in this interview. You wrote in your book, though, about sometimes juries come together, sometimes they don't. But you wrote that this jury was almost like a family. I mean, they were so close. Tell us a little bit about how those relationships developed and how they evolved over the course of the trial. They bonded immediately from the time that they met back in the room and they were all picked together on Tuesday of January and they were prayerful. I believe I say this in my book. They were very perceptive and they were a just a pack. They stayed together. They treated each other like family. We um, I could tell just from talking to the jurors about daily things, nothing about the trial at all. But I've been around a jury for a long time, different juries for a long time. And you get to know 
the layout of a jury and just you can get a feel from how juries are going to be. And I learned that this jury, they were tight. They started every morning out with prayer. They were very watchful. They were very perceptive in the things that they were listening to, the things they were watching during the trial, especially when we went to Moselle at the very end of the trial. That was very telling. And just by observation, I knew that the verdict was already pretty sealed when we went to Moselle. Um, there wasn't going to take much, and I knew it wasn't going to take long for them to come to a, a decision about a verdict. So she's asked about the jury. The question there is, tell us a little bit about those, how those relationships developed and how they evolved over the course of the trial. Becky says they bonded immediately from the time that they met back in the room and they were all picked together on Tuesday of January. And they were prayerful. I believe I say this in my book. They were very perceptive and they were just a pack. They stayed together. They treated each other like family. We, um, I could tell just from talking to the jurors about daily things, nothing about the trial at all. So she's been asked to tell us about the jury and how this evolved. So what did she tell us about the jury? She says the first thing she can say is they were prayerful. Okay. Uh, the second thing was they were perceptive. Then a pack. Then they stayed together, which is the same thing as a pack. And they were like family, which again is the same thing as staying together and a pack. So she doesn't really tell us a lot there. Now, why is that? Is it because she doesn't know a lot or she's holding something back? But there's not a lot of information there. They pray, they were perceptive, and they they stuck together. <clears throat> Every time, and I've looked at lots of Becky videos to get what I've the, brought up here in this analysis, in all the excerpts that we're going to look at from here on in, when Becky's just talking, she is just answering interview questions and she's trying to sell her book. She talks about the formalities, about the fact that she couldn't talk to the jury about the trial or there were some restrictions on what it was, how she could interact with the jury. She was very uh, cognizant of them. They definitely were high up in her mind. And I see not very much deceptive about that. I don't think that she's saying these things out loud so that uh, any of these... Um, allegations you know they haven't been raised at this point but you know just to stop any allegations being raised like that and she says here I could tell just from talking to the jurors about daily things nothing about the trial at all um now it really could be that she's mentioning this because she was breaking the rules and talking to them about the trial which is what um the allegations are but at the moment just from seeing that I think that she this is just part of how she operates she knows the rules and she um, is very clear to say that she knows the rules and this is how I interacted with the jury. Becky continued saying, but I've been around a jury for a long time, different juries for a long time, and you get to know the layout of a jury and just you can get a feel from how juries are going to be. And I learned that this jury, they were tight. They started every morning out with prayer. They were very watchful. They were very perceptive in the things they were listening to, the things they were watching during the trial, especially when we went to Moselle at the end of the trial. That was very telling. And just by observation, I knew that the verdict was already pretty sealed when we went to Moselle. Um, there wasn't going to take much, and I knew it, it wasn't going to take long for them to come to a decision about the verdict. So she tells us more about the jury here, or does she? She says they were tight. Again, that's a repetition of something she said before. They started every morning out with prayer. Again, a repetition of what she said before. They were watchful. I think that's new. 
but then they were perceptive and they were watching. We've had those before. So she doesn't tell us very much about the jury. I don't think she actually knew very much about the jury. I think what might be happening here is that she's trying to be the woman on the inside because she has a book to sell and what's going to sell a book is going to be on the inside of one of the biggest, most um, attention-grabbing murder trials um, of the decade. Um, But she doesn't have a lot to say about the jury. I don't think she was that close because she doesn't have anything perceptive to say about them. She's padding out her answer. Uh, She talks about just juries in general, although she's been asked about this jury. She's like, I've been around a jury for a long time, different juries for a long time. And then you get to know the layout of a jury and you can get a feel for how juries are going to be. So she isn't even talking about herself. She talks about herself and says she's been around juries for a long time. But as you get a feeling for the layout and you get a feel for how juries are going to be, she's padding out her answer. She doesn't have much to say. And also note... She says this is how juries are. She, she gets a feel for how juries are going to be. She's been asked how this jury was. I don't really think, you know, she talks about going to be. Don't think she knows very much about what this jury was. I don't think she was that close to them around the trial, certainly from the words that she uses here. And again, you know, she was apparently, she's alleged to have had conversations with the jury about their verdict, about trying to push them one way through this. But she says here, again, she's under no pressure. She's trying to sell a book just by observation. She guessed what the verdict was going to be. So she's she's not saying, oh, I could tell, I knew. She's just saying by observation, I was looking at them. I could see how it was going to be. And it was pretty sealed. It wasn't 100% sealed, just pretty sealed when we went to Moselle. Let's hear a bit more from the same interview. Let me ask you about that field trip. That's one of the most baffling parts of this trial. It was requested by the defense attorneys. They felt that it would show logistically that Alec Murdoch couldn't have committed the crimes of which he was convicted. But you said in the book that that was what sealed his fate, that actually worked against Murdoch. Tell us about that. It did. You know, the defense attorneys thought that it was going to be used in their favor, um, that's why I think they requested it and Judge Newman granted it. Um, so when we when we were out there on the property and walking side by side, there was hardly any conversation, no talking at all. And everyone was doing their own measurements in their own way. They were walking things out, I think, going over in their mind. What, had, what they had heard throughout the trial and putting it all together. It was very heavy out there that day, um, seeing all the jurors contemplating and in, in thought of, of what they were looking at and seeing with their own eyes. I don't think that the defense attorneys thought it would go that way. So she's asked a question, Tell me about the field trip. Um, so that worked against Murdoch. Tell us about that. I'm not repeating the full question because it's a really long question. Well, shorter questions. Becky says, it did. If you know the defense attorneys, they thought that it was going to be used in their favor. Um, that's why I think they requested it and Judge Newman granted it. Um, so when we, when we were out there on the property and walking side by side, there was hardly any conversation, no talking at all. And everyone was doing their own measure, uh, their own measurements in their own way. They were walking things out. I think going over in their mind what had what they had heard during the trial, putting it all together. 
It was very heavy out there that day, seeing all the jurors contemplating and in, in thought of, of what they were looking at and seeing with their own eyes. I don't think that the defence attorneys thought it would go that way. I'm going to look at pronouns here. Look at how she describes herself, the jury, and herself and the jury together. And you can see um, that she talks about we. So when we when we were out at the property, now she was there with the jury, so we is perfectly understandable there. They travelled together, um, so we would be there, would be understandable. But that's the only time she joins herself up with the jury. Again, don't think she was that close to them because the rest of the time she talks about them in the third party, doing their own measurements in their own way. They were walking things out the, in their mind, what they had heard, the jurors contemplating what uh, what they were looking at with their own eyes. So she talks about the jury as a separate entity when she's talking about what the jury was doing. So again, don't think she was that close to the jury. Don't think she was hanging with the jury that much. I do have a couple of questions though. She says there was hardly any conversation, no talking at all. Now, hardly any conversation means there was conversation, just not a lot. Hardly any conversation, then no talking at all. Why say two slightly contradictory things? Just a misspeak. It could be. We do all misspeak from time to time. I'm sure I will do it here. But also, was it actually the fact that there was conversation? And she realises hardly any conversation means there was conversation. So she has to correct it by adding in no talking at all. She didn't look under any stress and she didn't stutter or anything like that. She said it, but it could be that there was some conversation which shouldn't have happened. And then she has to sort of Clamp down on that by saying no talking at all. But Becky, again, she, knows, she thinks, she says, I think they were going over in their mind what they had heard during the trial. She's not saying she knows it. She doesn't let leak that she knew what was going on or she doesn't say that the jury spoke to her about what was going on or she spoke to the jury about what was going on. I think they were going over in their mind what they had heard throughout the trial. So again, I get lots of signs that she just was not close to this jury, that she was not really interacting with this jury. The other thing I want you to look at here is substance in the answers. She talks a lot. It's a long answer to the question about tell us to that trip to Moselle. All she can say is that it was quiet and people were measuring things. That's all she can say there. So I don't think, I really don't think she has anything to say about that trip of any substance, apart from the fact that people were measuring things. It's really no great insight. And that says to me, remember, she's selling a book. She wants to say in the book, there's lots of stuff you can read. And she doesn't have anything actually to say that's of any great substance. Again, don't think she was that close to the jury. Don't think she was that close to what they were talking about or what they were thinking. Here's some more from the same interview. As you watch them at Moselle, you said that Alec Murdoch's fate was sealed. What was it that you saw in their faces that, that led you to that conclusion? They were extremely serious. They knew that the decisions they were making was going to be life-changing for this person named Alec Murdoch. They were serious about what they were doing because they knew that the, the, the verdict was going to be a, a heavy one to, to hand out. Um, I, I feel like, but in their faces, they were, it was almost as if they had, they knew that they were going to have to come down with a, a verdict of guilty because to them, the evidence was there. 
So she's asked, as you watched them at Moselle, you said that Alex Murdoch's fate was sealed. What was it you saw in their faces that led you to that conclusion? Becky's answer is, they were extremely serious. They knew that the decisions they were making was going to be life-changing for this person named Alec Murdoch. They were serious about what they were doing because they knew that the, the, the verdict was going to be a heavy one to hand out. I I feel like, but in their faces they were, there was almost as if they had, they knew that they were going to have to come down with a, a verdict of guilty because to them the evidence was there. A lot of stutters there, really hard for me to read out, but uh, I'll come to those in a minute. I just wanted to look at the very first section here in that answer. Uh, they were extremely serious. They knew the decisions they were making was going to be life-changing for this person named Alex Murdoch. They were serious about what they were doing because they knew that the verdict was going to be a heavy one to hand out. I could have answered that question and I wasn't there. Again, just a real lack of detail. I don't think she has any insight into them whatsoever because these are just things that would be generally true. You go on a field trip and a murder trial, you're going to be serious. You know you're in a murder trial. The decisions you make are going to be life-changing for that person. You know you're going to be serious about it and you know the verdict is going to be a heavy one. So she has no insight into this jury whatsoever. But this question does stress her out a bit because she stutters the the, the verdict. I, I feel like they had the new. Um, that indicates there's some stress there in answering this question. Is it stress? I mean, I don't think it's stress from hiding something. Um, I think it's maybe stress from having to word something really carefully. Um, you know, they knew the verdict was going to be a heavy one to hand out. Well, the verdict is not um, there until the deliberations are, are all over. Um, so is that what's going on there? It could be, you know, it, they knew the verdict was going to be a heavy one to hand out. Uh, did she have some insight that everyone was leaning towards guilty and she's trying to, the stress is caused here by trying to make sure that she doesn't let slip that she had that insight? That is possible with this stress. However, she does, again, uh, she said, I think earlier, and now we've got, I feel like, and there was almost as if, so she's not 100% sure and she's going very much in her emotions and her feelings there as well. Here's Becky talking about the trip again in a different interview. Uh, tell me else, uh, what else you remember about that day and uh, what the jurors thought about that day. Oh, everyone, just by speaking with our eyes, because we did have an order from the judge not to speak verbally a whole lot. And so the, the jurors were each walking out their own thoughts in their mind and the, the things that they had heard during the trial and, uh, you know, measurements that were given to them. They were, we didn't have a yardstick and we didn't have a, a measuring tape. This was not about scientific evidence. It was it not. It was something you felt inside when you were there. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. Um, Becky is asked, tell me what else you remember about that day, that's the trip to Moselle, and what the jurors thought about that day. And Becky says, oh, Everyone, just by speaking with our eyes, because we did have an order from the judge not to speak verbally a whole lot. And so the jurors were each walking out their own thoughts in their mind and the things they had heard during the trial and, you know, measurements that were given to them. They were, we didn't have a yardstick and we didn't have a measuring tape. We've got, again, some real consistent stuff from Becky. Once again, and again, she's just selling a book. So she is talking about, the, she's aware an order from the judge not to speak ver verbally. 
Um, so, you know, in the, everything that we're going to look at, she does bring up these conditions about how she had to interact with the jury in a casual way. I don't think she's trying to, like, convince us or persuade us that she did this the whole time. But once again, remember the um, there was hardly any conversation, no one was talking? Well, here we have an order from the judge not to speak verbally a whole lot. <laughs> what does that mean? Are you, were you allowed to speak verbally a whole lot? Uh, a little that's what that is because you weren't to speak a whole lot check in on the pronouns again we were speaking with our eyes because we did have an order from the judge not to speak verbally and that's her joined together but then again she sets herself separately the jurors were each walking out their own thoughts and their own minds things that they heard during the trial the measurements that were given to them they were and she changes it and she says, we didn't have a yardstick. We didn't have a measuring tape. And I think the we there is the, the court. She's part of the court. So again, she's definitely separate there um, in her mind, I think, from the jury. Um, did she answer the question? Tell me what else you remember about that day and what the jurors thought about that day. She has no insight into the jurors' thoughts. She really doesn't been able to tell us what the jurors thought it's finished with this was about scientific evidence it, it, it was something you felt inside and she replies absolutely 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 can be a word like just it's not a synonym synonym for yes if someone says absolutely dig in do they really really believe it i don't think there's anything here that there's any big red flag for us on becky i just wanted to point it out when someone says absolutely and when they say it twice have a look at it one final quick bit of Becky Hill to analyze. And then the rumor mill starts. Well, I heard yeah. they didn't need dinner because mm -hmm. they were going to get the, they thought they would finish up. Was right. that something that you heard that they that were is, close? I was the one. Well, I always go and check with the jury if it's around supper time. And I did what I usually normally do. And I went and checked with our bailiff, Bill Polk. And he went to go check with the four lady. And that's what he came back and told me that she said. I said, okay. And that was, it wasn't long after that. So it's put to her, the rumour mill starts and this is the rumour mill amongst judges, uh, judges, journalists outside the court um, uh, that the verdict is coming. I heard they didn't need dinner because they were going to get that they thought they would finish up. Was that something you heard that they were close? And Becky says, I was the one. Well, I always go and check with the jury if it's around supper time. And I did what I usually normally do. And I went and checked with our bailiff, Bill Polk. And he went to go check with the four lady. And that's when he came back and told me that she said, I said, okay. And that was, it weren't long after that. Now here she does seem to be saying that she interacts with the jury. I don't know the rules. Maybe it's fine that she interacts with the jury around supper time. But she says, um, I was the one. Um, and she puts herself at the centre of it. And then she seems to backtrack a bit. I always go and check with the jury, she said. So I go and check with the jury. But then she tells us that actually I did what I usually normally do and went and spoke to the bailiff. Um, that's trying really hard to convince us um, or persuade us as to what's happened. What I usually do, that means it doesn't always happen. What I normally do means it's not what always happens. But here she's saying, I did what I usually normally do and checked with the bailiff. I wonder if there's a little bit there that maybe she was actually speaking to the jury, but it seems to only be about supper. To be fair there, it only seems to be about supper. And she says it was Bill Polk that passed on the message. 
So there you go. We've had a look at Becky Hill and we've had a look at Becky Hill talking about the jury. So what do you think? Has she been up to no good? Has she been tampering with the juries? Has she trying to be um, getting information from them about which way they were leaning during the trial or persuading them to go other ways from the words that you've seen there? What do you think? Well, here's what I think. There is something iffy about that Facebook post story. Consistently, she tries to make it seem like she stumbled across it very casually. I think she was looking for it or doing some research. Um, and I don't think she ever saw the post that said that the juror was shooting their mouth off. I don't know why she says she saw it, uh, whether she just assumed that that's what had happened or whatever. But there is something very iffy about that Facebook post story and the telling of it and the fact she took the credit for it in the uh, second interview, even though that's not why the woman was dismissed from the jury. But apart from that, I don't think she was that close to the jury. She was aware of the rules of engagement with the jury, very casually was mentioning that. Um, there may be a couple of signs that she had interactions with the jury that she might not have been supposed to, but again, nothing, she has no insight into them at all. She had nothing of any depth or detail to tell us about when she was asked about how the jury were. It was repetitive and very bland stuff about them being a pack and perceptive and watchful. And when she talks about the Moselle trip, all she had to say about it was they were measuring things out in their heads or in footsteps. She didn't seem to have any insight, any closeness to that jury at all. So do I think she tampered with the jury? I mean, there's something really iffy about that Facebook thing. Was she overstepping the mark there? Was she just trying to get someone booted because she didn't like them? I don't know, but there is something I don't like about the Facebook post story. In the rest of it, I really, there's nothing there that says to me that she tampered with the jury. Remember, take something from this. Do people actually answer the questions? Becky Hill was asked about jurors' thoughts and she spoke about jurors' actions. For example, that means there's something going on there. There's a reason why that person hasn't answered the question. Is there detail in the answers? Is there actual detail and depth in the answers? A lot of people who when they're deceiving or pretending they know something better than they do will do what Becky did, which is go over the same thing again and again or say the same thing in many different ways to give you lots of words, to make you feel like there's lots of detail. But when you look into it, there ain't that much detail there. And hopefully you also picked up when you hear the word just, it doesn't mean you're being lied to, but there's a chance you are. So look what follows just and ask yourself, is that true? Is that deception? Is that a lie? The word just, the key to uncovering a lot, a lot of deception. If you enjoyed this, please, the like button was tremendously powerful in making sure that this gets out around to many, many more people. And I thank you very much for doing that. Uh, any comments, questions, observations, then please put them in the comments or you can get hold of me on social media as well. Share with anyone that you think would be really interested in this. If they're into the Alec Murder and Becky Hill shenanigans, that would be great. And the subscribe, follow buttons, make sure that you get this content when it arrives and directly to your device. And if you want to go to neveratruerword.com, you'll find more like podcasts, how to contact me on social media, sign up for the newsletter. Also, there are a couple of books you can buy and more videos too. And we'll see you soon for Never A Truer Word.